Welcome to Noble Warrior. This is a place where entrepreneurs talk about what it takes to build purpose-driven organizations. We're going to talk about mindset. We're going to talk about mental models. We're going to talk about actionable tactics such that you can take what you learned today and go out and build your purpose-driven organization. My name is CK Lin, PhD in biomedical engineering, turn executive, turn executive coach. My main focus right now is focus on helping founders, entrepreneurs on their mindset, culture, and everything beyond that. I'm really excited to have my next guest with us. He's the chief creative officer at the New York and Latin America Edelman, a leading global communication firm. He's also a former adjunct professor in the Fashion Institute of Technology. He's a Zen Buddhism practitioner. He loves really cool hats. Please welcome Jimmy Stone. Thank you so much for being here. There's so many things uh, I want to ask you about. But one of the things that we say on this podcast is our superpowers come from our past wounds. So if you have a superpower, what would you say you, uh, would be your superpower? Um, well, first of all, again, an honor to be here. I will say that my superpower is an ability to simplify concepts that are very, very vast into simple and memorable stories, images. But that is what I do, simplifying mm -hmm. those stories or concepts into simple, memorable images. But really what I will say that my superpower is to help students, clients, my teams to arrive to that power. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that you had asked me, what is the intention of our talk together? What is my purpose of doing this podcast? And I would say very much in line with that. My role as a podcast host is to discover and curate people who walk their path of purpose, who are very intentional about teaching others and empowering others to do the same. And hence why I have you on the call. So in discovering this superpower that you have, was there something that you had to overcome? If you think about the origin story, was there something that you were traumatized or some wound that you experienced or some accident that have you go, I'm going to cultivate this superpower, this capability and in empowering others to do the same. I've never thought about it like that. It's almost like maybe I should. Sometimes when I am practicing doing Zazen or doing a Zazen Kai or a longer periods of meditation, I encounter myself to that question with myself. I have never been into a psychiatrist, psychologist. Lately, I have been starting to understand that what is it? Um, why do I feel that constant nagging pain that as we, as we all feel you now? It's like the wanting something that I don't have, not wanting something that I do have, anxiety of how can I get there when I know that there is no there, there is no summit in the mountain that we're climbing, the nostalgia of the past. How can I go back to what I know that it is not possible to go back 
how do I hold something, the attachments, all that questions uh, I confronted in front of a white wall. Lately, I have been investigating some of why I am who I am. Like, uh, why do I, I am in advertising, in communication. And I always thought of myself an ocean of knowledge, but one inch deep. So it's like, I know a lot of little things about everything. And that's pretty much sometimes how I feel that we in the advertising world are. So if I continue following that flow of the river to arrive to what I call the source mm. of, I have not even close to arrive to the source of what it makes that superpower. In fact, CK, when you ask the question of superpower, I don't feel it as superpower. I don't feel it as a superpower. I heard from students, I heard from clients and heard from teams that I do have that, that it seems to be almost like a gift. Um, but I don't see it as a superpower so much. Mm -hmm. Moving into the river, into the, going into the source, there are some moments where I find um, hurt, the hurt, the pain um, that I have unpacked. You told me a, bit, a little bit about like what is off limits. And you told me that this was a time of conversation. There is no particular sound bites. There is nothing that we need to aim. Whoever wants to go in that path of hearing us will go in this path and find something for them. But I really find interesting when I was maybe around seven, eight years old, my parents got divorced. And I find something interesting that happens that I have great memories when I am almost to three years old, four years old, to six, seven, eight. And then after their divorce, when I was 11 to almost 14, I have no memory recollection there. Mm. I find it very interesting for me to see mm. what is it? Is there a, a talking about like maybe a particular trauma that it has not been uh, uh, investigated? And I find it, I find it fascinating for me to try to go to myself to that period of suffering. Mm. Mm. Oh, I can relate to that. There's certain resonance whenever you speak. I feel like you get who I am and I get who you are. And that's why I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Part of my path as a seeker is to not only understand, like make sense of what has happened and tell myself a new story, a new empowering story of what has transpired, right? So that's been my uh, journey in my personal development. But recently my thinking about it has switched it makes sense to understand the why, the psychological and analysis aspect of it, but it, it makes even more sense for me to actually just resolve and dissolve the psychosomatic trauma, whatever that may still remain in my body, my psyche, my emotionality. So that's the way I think about it, but it's still a very powerful modality to unpack what the story is. What did I actually may believe when I was younger, traumatized, and then now what kind of new story can I create as a way to empower my life? 
that's my new mint model right now. That's that's awesome. I mean, I seriously, I don't go back. Mm. And maybe that's something about what we discuss about fear. I also feel deeply uh, that it's that this life that I have experienced, it it's not just the only life mm. um, at all. Mm-hmm. And so when I look back 46 years, 47 years, that's just a blimp of how I feel that I have lived or have experienced. Mm. I cannot get into when I was 12. I cannot get get into the other lives uh, in the past or the future. But I do know that exists. So that's my investigation. It's uh, why do I feel this sense of vastness of my experience? Mm-hmm. That's that's why I am interested in investigating. Mm. And what can I do with that feeling? Yeah. A lot of different directions we can go. But I want to underline something. Because I actually did, for my research that I did about you, I found that you have a lot of LinkedIn testimonials about how you have changed their lives. Most LinkedIn testimonials I've come across, they're like, this is a good person. I enjoyed the experience in working with them. But how people spoke about you was with such reverence, such an important role that you have played in their, not just a professional life, but also a personal life. Uh, you've fundamentally shift how they look at the world, right? So I wanted to underline that this ability to recognize the in-between spaces, the ethos, the invisible. How did you discover that? Um, beautiful question. Ooh, that's my calling. And my calling is to be a mirror for people. So I somehow, first, I try to be very mindful when I am talking to people, all the way from our clients to my friends. And so I have been gifted and a gift, not gifted, but I have received the gift of having when friends, family, and, and, and colleagues have stock, something that is not just a professional stockness, but it's a combination of the whole body and, and spirit stockness. I have received a lot of calls when that is happening. And I, there's some sense of responsibility that comes from that. So I try to be present to understand um, what is it that they're missing. And generally what I find is that what people are missing is the sense of ultimate what I call the sun is the star that is, that is far, far away that illuminates your aspiration. I love that, that image of a sun because even when you're on the beach and you close your eyes and you don't know where you are, you always know where the sun is. Huh? And so I always tell people, is, what is that sun? What is the sun? Because in the moment that you arrive to clarify where is the sun in your life you are able to hold when there is inevitable fog 
when there's raining, it always stopped. And then you see where the sun is, you continue the path. Yes. So for example, my sun, like the star, I always framed it as to use the power of the capitalistic system to advance environmental and social consciousness. Mm. Came to me by, by the truth of the matter. It came to me by reading Tibor Kalman and Olivero Toscani's Color Magazine of Benetton back in the 90s, 1991-1992. It's like the power that we have as a communication uh, um, community to use our creativity to sell stuff to people. Millions and billions of shoes, deodorants. We have the ability to persuade people to move from one soap to the other soap. Billions of people. So we must have the ability to persuade people to believe that global warming is a true thing that is happening. So my endeavor was always, how can I do that by selling soap? Mm. And sell an idea with that soap. Mm. And that has been my call. And I have been doing that in my life everywhere. And that gives me a sense of calm that no matter what stage I am, that's where I will do in the future. Mm. So when I am with people that are seeking some sort of my uh, advice, it's both a gift and a burden. And mm. one that I am willing and to, to take. What is a burden is because I struggle with uh, holding the sense of attachment, the sense of happiness that it gives me to help people finding that sun. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It gives me joy. Mm -hmm. And I'm not 100% sure that if I'm doing it because of that joy or because I truly want to help people find the sun. Mm. That's what I'm fighting for. But no matter what, I help people find that, articulate that. And I do that with a client to articulate mm. what is the business problem. I do that with a friend to articulate what is their career or, or colleague, their career path. And I do that with a friend or a family when it is how to articulate their aspiration. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I told you, uh, not in linear, so try not to, I think for the audience or for whoever ever hears this, try not to come use your brain to connect the dots only your brain connected with your whole uh, any audience here they're used to this idea that everything is fractal so we zoom in and we zoom out quite a lot awesome that's why i'm here with you yeah so I knew that this was the type of talk yeah for sure and and part of my role as a host is to talk about the inspirational the story but also get to the tactical right so we zoom in and zoom out quite a lot so you're, you're doing great uh, a lot of different directions we can go from that analogy. One of the things that we talk a lot about is purpose, is that North Star, is that sun, is that ever-present ethos of who we are. And then the interesting thing about bringing awareness to that sun, using your metaphor here, is the sun isn't there 
uh, until you notice that, oh, there's a sun, until someone actually brings to your consciousness that, oh, th this is who you are about. But then looking back, the days when I w wasn't clear about my purpose in life, I actually was already on purpose. Does that make sense? So a lot of people walk about saying, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? What's my purpose? And one of the things we discuss quite a lot on this podcast is, well, if you want to define or clarify what your purpose is for you, all you need to do is look back and then see what's the common denominators for everything that you've done, everything that you've said, everything that you're obsessed about, everything that you think about, all the relationship that you have. Then you can probably see some pattern on what you're about as a person. I agree 100%. Now, I don't, I, I feel like, for example, I also consider myself a futurist. Mm -hmm. I don't have the name or a title of a futurist, but I have always had the ability to see what's coming. Mm -hmm. And it is, it is using a similar uh, thinking, but it's almost like when uh, there is a, there is this guy, a futurist from National Geographic that I talked to him once, his name was Andrew Sully. He's Andrew Sully, very, very smart incredible uh, uh, brain and, and mind. Uh, we were in a, in a restaurant and he's like, well, why are you a futurist? And he said, well, it's not that I am a psychic or I can investigate the future. It's that I know that I'm, we're in this restaurant together. And if we, it's two o'clock in the afternoon. I know that we start getting bottles of wine, bottles, bottles of wine and start getting drinking and drinking, start to get drunk. And at three in the morning, they close the restaurant and we do not want to get out of the restaurant, we're drunk and say that we're not gonna get out of this restaurant because we love it, the police is gonna come. And that strike me as like, oh, so futurism is not um, uh, guessing the future. So what is my image? My image is always, if I know where the river is going and I can see where the slopes of the mountain is formed, I can, potentially tell you where the river will follow. That's how I see it. So finding your purpose, it's both seeing where you, when, when the aspiration that you want to go is, but like you say, go all the way down the source of the river and you find where the rivers has been coming. No, uh, I always had this image when I was a kid I went, I do a lot of like excursions. Uh, I, I'm from Venezuela and I used to go to, uh, with a friend of mine to the Amazon area in Venezuela. And there was a, uh, we were uh, investigating the source of a particular river that ends up apparently to a bare, larger river that ends on the Orinoco River, which is a huge, huge, one of the two biggest rivers in the world, if it's not the one but it's one of the rivers. So we were investigating that, but it's, we were in a, a boat going up the river that arrives to a very small uh, area of a tributary that we went into a smaller boat going up the river that arrives to a different paths for that river. We walk through that path all the way to when we arrive, it was just this wet path. We continue climbing the mountain because up the mountain, for hours and we arrived to a huge mountain. It was almost like a rock. And when you touch the rock, it was wet. And that was the source of that river. Mm. And it has always fascinated to me, this 
constant images that I have about how to find the sun, the source, the river, nature has inspired me to use as metaphors for mm. us. So, so I always help with my students or my clients or my colleagues or friends and family. Let's go up the stream of that river. Mm. Let's find and touch the rock. Mm. Mm. I love that. Again, very similar metaphors that we use quite a lot. So Confucius said self-mastery, family, country, world, right? Even in that phrase, he's articulating the fractal nature of life. And if you want to make a huge difference in the world, come back to the atomic unit of this self, right? And in, in, in this case, what is the atomic unit of the sun that's within you? before you think about using technology, using stories, using community as a way to amplify and multiply further, whatever that sun, whatever that purpose is. So find that atomic unit of fulfillment, find that atomic unit of creativity, find that atomic unit of purpose. In your cases, you know, using business as a way to amplify the environmental and, and social consciousness, right? That's a little bit of a context. No, that's to, no, my yeah. to my question. So as you're developing your own self-awareness in the mind, body, heart, and spirit, in, in, in bringing more fidelity in that awareness, in that atomic unit, is that the path to be of service to the world? From your you know, 46 years of life, do you see a direct correlation there? The, 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 the cultivation of one's awareness to one's ability to actually make an impact in the world. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I always say in the beginning part of my spiritual path, why beginning? <laughs> that, that will be the question is when you put their light inward, a lot of beautiful things happen. One of the ones that happens the, the, that I feel that it's just, there is a, deep sense of uh, humility that emerges. And in this world of advertising, me, 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 look at me, I am the star, look at me in New York, awards. It's almost like a conflict that I always have with that, that I live in a world in which what we do is create anxiety in order for people to buy products where in my personal life and existence, it's about to eliminate inside. Mm -hmm. So I live in constant conflict between what I do and what I am trying to uh, practice. Mm -hmm. However, I am in, in this precise moment in which, and this precise uh, organization in which we understand that, that there is a way to connect both, a way mm -hmm. to del deliver uh, communication, sell products, sell ideas without bringing anxiety and so on. So there's an interesting window in which I believe still that both things can happen. But coming back to you, Confucius, that the East has a long understanding that life inward, and if you're not okay with yourself, you cannot be of service to the world. So uh, when you put the light inward, I feel that there is a sense of humility because you start to realize how little you know. And 
you start to you start to become more aware of how connected you are with everything else so you start to start to feel a pain when you talk bad about people because you realize that it's literally peeing in the same pool yeah so so i do agree 100% with your thought of like go deep inside of you and from there when you clarify that that's the the jump start or that that the solid ground in which you can actually walk towards helping yeah. and moving society forward but if you don't if you don't have that strength inside of you everything that you will do will be great intentions but it will be not sustainable i don't know if if, if it, it makes sense on this podcast we're not looking for answers we're having yeah. an inquiry philosophical discussion and whoever listens actually will come up with their own uh, solution whatever that may be so one of the things i want to pay attention to is this idea of polarity right good and bad tall and short light and dark and so forth right and we we discussed quite a lot the symbolism of the yin yang in 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 Taoism right and ultimately there's no one side of the coin without the other there's always polarity in everything in this material world there is everything right no, always the light and dark positive and negative so i think the inquiry is really valid when you think about the paradox of advertising which is egoic driven versus your spirituality practice which is collective consciousness driven and on the surface it's like what do you mean jimmy this is what you're about but in my mind um, it, there's no conflict. It's merely your practice of how you actually find the harmonious point in the yin yang. So that's the way I interpret it. The way that you articulated a hundred percent. You you articulate. So the idea of holding, you call it polarity or duality or binary thinking of black black and white, uh, day and night, good and bad. There is no one without the other. It's our ability to hold both is the practice. Yeah. It's, it's ability, which I'm starting to understand a little bit more, is practicing equanimity. Yeah. Uh, going through life, uh, following that river of your aspiration mm -hmm. without being uh, at touch to the conditions of that duality of happiness and sadness good or bad and that that constantly pull and push that you have to take you out from the razor's edge is the practice of equanimity is the practice of of of, of centering yourself into this present moment which in theory i have it more and more developed in practice living in new york with families with responsibilities with covid 19 losing clients changing structures just holding your yourself to both and do not do, and, and then find myself like attached to like what i did or what i was before this pandemic 
and I need to recover that. That was awesome. It was great. And now, so imagine blaming the pandemic, blaming the impossibility is almost like, I remember once that I had another image in nature that I think it helps your audience to have these images. I was in the beach in Florida alone. In fact, it wasn't a beach, it was a pool, but it was in, uh, near a beach. And I saw this perfectly, perfectly. I'm talking about Haiti-like cloud, like perfect form. It was just too beautiful. So I got attached to that cloud and I start to see it, start to play that, that surreal game of I see an elephant, I see a dog, I see whatever. It was just beautiful. It was with me for probably 10 minutes. And then all of a sudden, the wind picked up and the cloud, it starts to dissipate. And I find myself suffering because I was trying to hold the cloud from dissipating. And I was realizing that I couldn't. <laughs> and I didn't. And I suffer all the way through seeing it completely disappear. That yeah. marked me. It's like, how do you hold that? So holding yourself to the past or holding yourself to that uh, construct nature of solidity, which we know that does not exist, is a pain. It's very painful. And I'm trying to, to not, to not, uh, to not hold, but at the same time, I'm trying not to care mm -hmm. because there's very beautiful things that have been done that needs to be fought to behold, mm -hmm. but you cannot hold them. Mm -hmm. So going through that motion of especially what's happening with a pandemic that I'm sure that we will arrive in some point in this moment, but it is, it's holding yourself to who you were, how things were done. So it's fascinating to, for me to see how people are talking about the new normal or going back to normal, when in reality, that's an illusion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I oh, opened I, another door, sorry. No, no, it, it's, it's actually perfect. So a lot of different directions for the people who are listening, you may be thinking, man, why is Jimmy and CK talk about something that's so esoteric, right? This the, the practice of self-awareness, meditation or spirituality, whatever your the interpretation is, I wanted to actually bring it back to why we want to talk about it. A couple of points for me, why I am interested in the first place is one, this is the atomic unit of a fulfilled and successful life. And two, if my intention is to make a large impact in the world, the atomic unit of impact is empathy. If I don't know, if I can't feel the pain that you feel, I can't make a difference with you, right? That's so the atomic unit of making a difference with someone is empathy is self-awareness that's why i'm i want to spend time to talk to jimmy about it even though at the surface it seems very theoretical philosophical esoteric but i think for the people who are interested in in living a successful fulfilling and, and a life that makes a difference with people this is the topic to discuss 
What do you think? So, I, I mean, we're like brothers from a different mother, but, but let's bring it to practical level, if you will. Well, semi-practical level. <laughs> um, we know that the world is moving from a complicated world to a complex world. Uh, there's many books and, and written uh, writings that talks about this. The complicated world is many moving pieces uh, that needs to work together. A complex is many moving pieces that need to work together with a high degree of uncertainty. In a complex word, world, the way that we need to organize ourselves is not through organizational structures. Uh, we need to move from an organization to an organism. It has to be fluid, organic, resilient, and adaptable. In any organism, empathy, which produces emotional intelligence, is your ability to empathize with the entire system so you how to move in a complex world in an organism. So, yes, sounds esoteric, but rewind and see it again. And, and you understand that developing empathy will develop your emotional intelligence that will make you super successful in an organism organization in a complex world. So you see that IQ, intelligent coefficient or quotient, was super important back in the 50s, 60s, 70s. But now emotional coefficient, EQ, is going to be the key for kids to grow. Imagine how vastly complex and uncertain it, this pandemic hit. Our ability to empathize with everything, realizing that we are interdependent, interconnected. We knew this with social media. Now we, knew it with, we see it with a, a, a health uh, issue. So empathy and emotional intelligence is the skill of the future. It's not cute. There's nothing cute about it. It's the sharpest knife in the drawer. Now, move to a more practical level of mindfulness and, 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 and the study of, of the self. Back in the, in the 1960s, I heard this, I, I heard or read, and that the military was using Zen, the Zen meditation practice, to be able to help the sharpshooters be more precise. Now, it was a wrong use of, in a way, a, a intentional use of Zen. And in Zen, the essence of entering into that practice is not to have a particular objective of why you are entering. Yes, esoteric back again. But studying yourself and studying mindfulness in, in, in creative field is powerful. Why? Because first, it gives you time between an action and a reaction. When somebody says something, you react. If you're there, it gives you time to hear that, really hear what that client, that person is saying. Gives you the sense of space so your answer is better. It's more precise. It's more poignant. It's a practical. Yeah. 
one of the things we say is imagine stimulus and response. You're now lengthening the, the time and the space between the two. And now you don't just have to have your top three reactions. You can now have many, many different options. And then you can pick and choose which one tool, which option is the most opportune, most appropriate in these circumstances. Is that correct? That is exactly right. And, and, and sometimes imagine the consequences of that. It's a bad reaction that creates karma that makes your boss feel that you were not listening or you were angry or that bad reaction that you said to a client that the client said, hmm, you're not listening to me. Or that very quick reaction that you said to your friend and your friend is like, hmm. So, but you, you, that doesn't mean that you have to wait. No, that space that opens between the action and the reaction is infinite, but it's a second. So that's one um, practical way. The other practical way that I will share with your audience is that creativity, I don't think that creativity it's something that, that comes from within. And that is one of the challenges that I have with, the, with my title. I am a creative. So it is the only title that it's an adjective. So it's I create from nothing something. That creates a lot of ego. I have over time realized that I am not coming up with something. I am just recognizing, connecting the dots that's where ideas and creativity happens, when you connect. And when you connect the dots and mindfulness allows you to be there, present, when that dots are in the air and the idea appears. So your job is not to come up with the ideas, I believe your job is to be there when the idea happens. And so that's another practical uh, out byproduct of the esoteric conversation that we're having, CK. Yeah. No, it's perfect. So Elizabeth Gilbert, she did a TED talk talking about creativity. So for those of you who are interested in the idea of creativity is, so her metaphor is essentially she is a conduit. She is a vessel for creativity to come visit. So, so her job as a vessel is to make sure that her vessel is pristine, is clean. So then. Beautiful. When the muse comes, she's ready to capture whatever muse wants to express through her, right? So a very similar analogy that we talk about on the podcast, what Jimmy just talked about is how do we actually cultivate our channel, our conduit, such that we can easily see the reality for what it is without the preconception of our own biases, our regrets of the past, our anxiety towards the future, just see reality for what it is. And based on this moment alone, what kind of connections I can make with ideas, with people, with businesses, and to serve our highest good. Right on. Beautifully said. I, I do think also that uh, if you have a, a, a son, then you start to connect the ideas within the ideas, and then you start creating a career. That's what I have done when you start to become gray beer, when you put them together, can inform where the river will flow. I always try to sometimes do a sneakiness because sometimes I know where the river is going to flow down the mountain. 
But there is some times where the terrain of the mountain can go either way. So I go with my team and I, I said to them, hey, can you carry this boulder and put it here? And I have seen how the river goes. Fox goes in that moment where I did not know where the river was going to go and touches the boulder and it moves to where we want it to go. That is interesting. I have done sometimes when I put a boulder that actually made the river stop in that boulder, inundate the boulder, and basically go to absolutely the wrong way. So it's a dangerous proposition where to put the boulder. Okay, perfect. So let's let's talk about that for a moment, right? Because you're an architect of people's beliefs, people's purchases, and the broader culture in general. In my mind, advertising is in the business of attention and influence, yeah? Someone who has a broader impact through advertising, through storytelling, how do you wield that power, that skill set that you hone so much as a way to serve your highest good? Well, that's the biggest question. That's why I'm still working. I work in an organization that has lots of clients from every sector, from packaged goods to, to personal hygiene products to banks to technology, platforms, retail. So what I have been seeing, remember this river back scene, is that brands and corporations are becoming extremely important in shaping society's consciousness, moving society left and right, creating divisions, augmenting the problems, raising anxiety. I mean, there's a lot of bad that it produces, the, the industry. The same bad can be good. And what I'm seeing is that a lot of our clients are starting to realize in our company, Nettleman, we have what is called a trust barometer. It's a study that we have been doing for over 20 years. And if you track that study, you start to realize trust in institutions. Trust in government, nonprofits, corporations, and how trust has been changed over time. And what we're finding more and more and more, which it was not surprising for me, not because I am like a visionary, it's just, it was easy to see the river, is that people are starting to buy based on how the companies react, engage, in society's issues, something that is very relatively new. I mean, we knew that there was a consumer, we call it the awakening consumer, that was putting a little bit of their uh, 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 wallet when they, uh, to vote, with a vote through their wallet, buying a product that it was 30% uh, uh, more expensive or more premium because it was organic. That was back 10, 15 years ago. Of course, we see before that Patagonia and purpose-driven brands from the beginning, consumers that buys a purpose. So you have purpose brands, you have this 
consumers awakening to buy a product based on what the product is doing, cost-related marketing, to where we are arriving. Internet, is, in the, sorry, social media started to become ubiquitous. Transparency became more clear. Companies like brands and reputation that the company and the brand became almost like one of the same. So Unilever and Dove, it's pretty much the same. So it's not just a brand, it's a brand that it's owned by a company. And so now the data supports that if you don't act on issues of racial racial uh, uh, disparity, gender inequality, uh, environmental awareness, if the brand three minutes ago, I'm talking about three years ago, it was just quiet. You know, you should do something, whatever you're going to do here, do something here so people see that you're doing good. Now we're getting into a moment where consumers are demanding brands and companies alike to act, to do, to change their uh, employees' diversity and inclusion experiences, to, to check the supply chain, to understand the environmental impact that they have all the way through the supply chain, to have a point of view uh, that it is to change and commit to society's ills and change. Okay, wow. perfect. Perfect. This is an extrapolation of Confucius self-mastery family country world, right? Very similar to that scale. So if you think about corporation as a living being, what is the congruent core value rather than opportunistic? Right. Hey, here's a PR opportunity for us to greenwash ourselves or blackwash ourselves or COVID 19 wash ourselves so we can be in the trend. Right. So, as someone who helps company corporations to hone their brand DNA, hone their brand personality, what are some of the practices or the mental models or exercises you take companies through so that they can actually get to the DNA, the core of who they really are, rather than what's an opportunistic thing to do. Yeah, that's the conversation that is raging. It's a conversation that has always been raging from the people in the know, but because of the data that supports that now is becoming critical for corporations and brands to act, say, the potential for any type of washing is there. So the most important thing is to counsel our clients. Remember that clients, corporations, brands, systems are products that are delivered by a group of individuals that mm. make, market, creates, and develops those products and services. So mm -hmm. in essence, it's a group of people mm -hmm. um, that have an exponential power depending on the value or the penetration or the uh, appeal of the thing or the brand that they do and make, correct? Mm -hmm. But it is a group of people. So you first start with that sense of what is this brand's true purpose? And some brands that have 200 years, their purpose was to deliver the most refreshing beverage so some brands and some corporations have to rejiggle and go into the hard uh, 
excursion ahead of the river to touch the rock. And some of, and all of them are doing it from Johnson and Johnson to Coca-Cola to Walmart. They're all trying to go quickly to find the true purpose other than providing the cheapest goods and services for their people. Mm -hmm. Then they start to understand what the, the employees are looking for, believing. So understand your people, understand what are they really truly believe as system and what do they stand for, where they are, the composition that they stand for. And in the, in the, yeah. sorry, I mean, the mental model, appreciate that totally. But what is one question that maybe a business owner, entrepreneur, or founder can actually say, Hey, I'm going to take this powerful question that Jimmy shared and then ask our employees as a way to flush out what they truly believe, what they truly, uh, you know, want the company to stand for. So, so yes. So the first one and the simplest one is what will the world be missing if your product is or brand is not in it? Mm. That's it. Okay. And so if you, if your answer is another pair of shoes that are more colorful than the others, mm -hmm. you entire system will know that that is a weak purpose. Yeah. So investigate what is truly your um, core reason why your product exists. Then understand and listen to your people to understand why are they waking up in the morning, why they go and sleep well at night, and why they came for the first place. And then uh, find a series of, obviously, you, you have to entertain, you have to have beautiful, memorable communication, uh, and you have to have a good price, good performance, all that basics, but those are table stakes. Now you have to take that and enter into that society conversation. So which of those things in society that your customers really care about, can you have the authority due to what you make, who you make, and the reason that you make it, the purpose, that you have, uh, that you have the a agency or the authority or the credibility to partake mm. in that conversation uh, in, into advance into that particular mission. Mm. So it's a it's not a complicated process. And a lot of great people, agencies, organizations are starting to do that process. And you start to see organizations that are entering. Now you're starting to see uh, organizations that are washing and that ultimately defeats uh, everything. Mm. But I have seen washing and greenwashing and still the, the environmental movement group. So mm. washing, sometimes it's inevitable. And I believe that what happened with rainbow washing, it washed, but but it stayed, something stayed in our society mm. that, that understood like the, 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 a lot of what happens in the gender equality uh, uh, movement, it's almost like a wave, it washed. Now we are in a different, but it stayed, change, change happened. We can con construct with it. So I'm not advocating that washing is uh, good at all. I'm saying that it's inevitable. That in a way, I have not seen any of the movements in which everybody goes in and we, we wash. Mm. So I think yeah. we have to, as communication professionals, be very vigilant 
into whatever we do that is authentic, true, and helpful and useful for the entire reason of why we're doing it and yeah. do it our best. Yeah, for sure. I mean, going back to the whole idea of complexity or uh, fractal nature of things, everything lives in imprint, right? This conversation, you're making a difference with me. You're making a difference with people who are watching in real time. You're making a difference with people who are listening later on. There's an energetic imprint in addition to the content that you're sharing. So 100% agree with you. Yeah. Do you mind staying a few more minutes? We can ask some rapid fire question. Is that okay? Absolutely. Thank you. So in addition to organizational level, let's bring it back down to the individual level because the atomic unit of what you're discussing here is effectively know thyself, right? We were talking about know thyself in the organization level. Now let's talk about know thyself in the individual level. It's simple to say, yes. And I would say it's a lifetime of work to really, truly know thyself. I, I think this is my personal belief. No, I agree. So with that said, as a communication professional, part of the biggest challenge one has is what do I say, right? Giving a situation right now, what do I say? And then, and then how do I say it correctly? And then how do I say in such a way that it lands for you effectively the way that I wanted to land? And then, and then how do I then create a chain reaction based on that, right? But a lot all at the same time. Let me bring it back down to a basic question. As someone, as a teacher, as a coach, as a, as a leader who empowers others to get to their truth and say who they really are as a human being, what mental models do you have to someone who is intentional about speaking their truth? You said the word intention. So um, that's it, unpack what is the intention. So in Buddhism, karma is intention. So it's what is your intention? If you really practice to be mindful as best as you can, don't try to be perfect, no one is, but practice and focus on that intention in everything intention of your words what is i am intending to say why do you have to say so i would say is focus on the intentions why is the what is the intentions of you saying it that will actually inform tremendously over time what to say when to say it how loud to say it, to whom to say it or not to say it. So I will say that that's my advice. It's the one that I am using personally, especially when there is so much happening that I have no idea what to say. Like I have experiences as a man, I have experiences as a Latino immigrant. I have experiences as a particular human being 
but when there is ex when there is experiences in which I have no ability to empathize, that I only get the level to sympathize with them, I ask myself, why do I have to say something? And the danger is that sometimes not saying it is worse. Correct? That's what your, the origin of your question is. There are moments like this one in which you must say your point of view. Your, but more than saying, it's understanding your intentions of why you're saying it. And that most likely will illuminate what to say. But it's to do. So follow your saying with doing. Mm. I will say what we need to do. So even if the do is donating for a particular cause, marching to just be present, hearing, not saying, hearing is a do. And even if your only thing that you can possibly unearth from yourself to do is by committing to put the light inward and saying, I bow to resolve the eons of biases that in itself is a powerful thing to do. Just mm -hmm. commit to bow and to do that. I did bow to do that. And every time I put the light inward, I see an infinite amount of work that I need to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. Thank you so much. So in addition to what you just described is a moment to moment awareness practice, right? What is my intention? What is my intention? What is my intention? And from that place, watch what I'm saying, acting, or who I'm speaking to, right? And I'm curious to know what other practice do you have as an advocate for storytelling, as an advocate for truth, as an advocate for someone speaking their voice? Do you have any specific practice that you have as a way to cultivate your ability to speaking your truth? Second of all, help others to tell their truth. Things like writing a specific amount of time per day or speaking on a podcast for a specific amount or anything of that sort, right? As a regular practice, as a way to hone yourself to articulate your thoughts on. So I don't do a lot of podcasts uh, or speaking. I, we talked a little bit back in the day with a sense of imposter syndrome, mm -hmm. chief creative officer of our biggest PR agency in the world, in New York and in Latin America. Uh, and there's a lot of, so a, a lot of perceived success, but in my head, I just don't see that. So, so I still feel that there is a sense of success until my, until a campaign that doesn't stop a war. I have not arrived to something that I call successful. And mm -hmm. that sense of debate between not letting myself down, holding that sense of ego of I am good, I'm doing good. I'm, and not letting myself uh, feel that I'm successful, that balance, it's a, an important practice. It's constantly practicing equanimity. Uh, we know that actions are more important than what you say. So, so is this combination of how you act, what you say, how constant you are over time, compounding over time, getting trust, your career, everything is about compounding over time. I learned that from uh, Buffett. Everything is like your spiritual practice needs to be $1 at the time and it reinvests itself over time, over a period of time. The same of your financial 
well-being, your profession, your spirituality is compounding over time. So don't think about it as big. Think about it with small little actions every day with, with the commitment over time. But I believe that you said Taoism, no? which I never studied truly Tao other than reading many, many, many times the Tao Te Ching. And I always been fascinating to the power of saying something with images that mm. are so beautiful, the storytelling of images that conveys because words and what you say. But I love this idea of images, mm. metaphors, mm. a rock, your mm. audience will remember the wet rock, mm. will remember the boulder that the river will go to the left or to the right. Images are super interesting. For example, we talked about between the action and the reaction that mindfulness gives, because mm. we talked about that that space between action and a reaction, although we know that is an instant, we know that at the same time is infinite correct mm -hmm. and so infinity of that space it's very hard to understand so i came across to this image that in that it was called a kalpa which is a buddhist unit of time mm. like a year a second a minute a month is a unit of time but that space between an action and a reaction is a instant, but it's also endless kalpas. So what is a kalpa, you ask? And the image of a kalpa is a mountain that is 10,000 feet tall and 10,000 feet wide, made of a complete concrete iron. One day, our angel comes with a feather and touches the mountain up and down and leaves for one million years. A million years pass, the, the angel comes with the same feather and touches the mountain up and down and leaves for another million years. And a million years passes by and the angel comes in and touches with a feather the mountain. One kalpa is the amount of time that takes the angel to erode the mountain. Mm. When I see these images like that, all of a sudden the concept of infinite appears. Mm. You feel it, mm. it's there. So I always love the images that the storytelling tells us. Uh, I call them images that has a burning quality to it mm. that you never forget that it bounces in your audience mind that enough that they will make it their own. They will tell it to others. It will evolve. Mm. And that's why the Tao Te King is a book that allows all of us to learn for millennia. Why? Because it doesn't confine itself to what exactly that time needed to say so mm. definitely not your answer <laughs> no it's May. perfect no it's perfect <laughs> I, I also asked that question selfishly because 
as you can tell, I'm very, I'm very much a meta person. I like to talk and think in concepts. But what I learned over the years is that people don't remember. They remember metaphors and images and movies and stories. So I want to cultivate my ability to actually conjure up this, as you said, burning the retina type images. So I love that you talked about Dr. Jing. So I'll you know look at that more. Are there other books that you can recommend to someone like me who want to cultivate their storytelling ability, their ability to conjure up retina burning images? So I, I find it fascinating that a retina burning image is an image in itself mm-hmm. that is a story. Mm-hmm. It uh, feels painful, correct? Mm-hmm. So what I would say is that develop curiosity, which you are insanely curious because that's why you're uh, um, searching and, and investigating and putting uh, people together and connecting weird people in, in this type of environment for your audience. It's, it's amazing. You inspire me. I mean, the group that you and Karen put together really has inspired the hell out of me uh, in these difficult times where I am in transformation. Uh, for example, I wear a hat. I had like 85 different hats all the time. Wow. And I said, and I said, today is going to be the first day that I'm not going to have a hat. Okay. That's it. I'm not going to have a hat. I'm going to have to leave the hat, leave those things. And I'm, I'm not sure how I'm going to do it because it's in, in essence, what it makes me, protects me from the sun mm. or makes me don't get so cold. Everything happens in this area here. So coming back into your answer, be, be curious. And for your audience, it's develop curiosity. Curiosity is muscle. And you have, to, you have to intentionally develop it. Intentionally. For example, look for ways to turn on and off the light of the bathroom every day differently. Curiosity, imagination, creativity is something that doesn't happen, that you have to search for it. Mm. Read, investigate new people that are actually telling stories in a different ways. Mm. Uh, connect and, and follow people who have this sense of power and, and, and thrive uh, that are constantly reinventing themselves. There are so many beautiful things that are happening because of the confinements of COVID-19 and this pandemic that people are using Zoom with Spotify at the same time that they're using text messaging to communicate stories, virtual reality. Jump yourself into those uh, stories. But if you want to get more esoteric in that way that I do it is I just allow, allow the stories and, and try to tell those concepts in memorable, beautiful ways and allow, your, allow yourself to write them. Mm. I like yourself to write those stories and connect them. Eventually, you start to become a, a storyteller of mm-hmm. concepts, which I think you are because I understood everything that you said and you understood what I was saying, but you have this ability to, okay, let's come back to this moment. Let's talk about this moment. Mm-hmm. And so I learned tremendously from you in this hour and 13 minutes. Mm. Jimmy. Time is such a relative term, right? When your hand is on the stove, three seconds feels like 10 hours. When you're having a conversation with someone who resonates with you, an hour and a half feels like 10 minutes. So I really acknowledge you for sharing yourself so generously 
for for willing to dance with me in this conversation to explore spirituality and nature of creativity, purpose driven brands. To there's so many other things that you and I could talk about. So I'd love to plant a seed that we can have this conversation again for a part two, part three, because there are so many other things that I see. So story, media, they're amplifiers in our culture, in our society. And there's so many opportunities to shape the path of humanity. And I believe that there's path that I would love to jam with you on our next conversation. So if you're willing, let's, let's do that. No, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for allowing everything that I believe coming out to your audience. I really think that the secret is more uh, obvious than we really think. Ultimately, it's just you have to do not use your mind, use your entire mind, body, and spirit to be there in that precise moment and allowing those things to happen. It's a practice. Our mind will go to the future, to the past, go everywhere. It's just a practice to be there. And slowly it will come out. Your clarify, your aspirations will come out. Your actions will have better intentions. You will be less um, uh, damaging. Mm. You will have more joy. You have less regrets. Mm. So just start. Start with one foot when you wake up in the morning and touch the floor with the feet and say, I am touching the floor with the feet. Mm. Mm. Start with something that simple as that and eventually starts to grow. And as I said, I am just in the beginning stages of this path, which will take a couple of lives. Mm. Beautiful. And I really and I really feel it that way, not in an esoteric way. I know that this is a safe space to talk with you about this, but thank you. Thank you for your openness and thank you for connecting this group of people that, that really feels like a support system, a net of us. And I appreciate what you do. I appreciate what you're doing. And I will be super happy to come back. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Now, for those people who are inspired by your story, your wisdom, uh, and also your business practice, where should we send them to? That is an interesting dilemma. Uh, I... Um, just eventually write an email because okay. I know that your people will be uh, awesome. So maybe we can share an email and we can start the connection. But eventually, my dream is to form a school mm. uh, of uh, spiritual creativity. Um, spiritual. Mm. So I'm, I'm forming some sort of uh, curriculum and I'm forming it in my head. It has been years in the making, to tell you the truth. I'm waiting till it happens. But when it does happen, I will definitely drive them there so mm. they can learn or they can teach. I would love if you were one of the teachers for sure. I will let you know when it's out there. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. My much. We can't wait. <laughs> Thank you so much. 